Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So Paul says, since Jesus died for you, that makes you worthy. God esteem, then live as if you are worth something. You are worth something today if you're a Christ follower. God sent his son to die for you. And my worth is not tied up in accomplishments, good looks, talents, wisdom. My worth is tied up with Jesus. And so simply Paul says, I want you to live with integrity. Represent him. Be a person that's different than the world. Everyone wants to feel that they have value, whether to themselves or to others. Oftentimes we feel devalued because we don't think people recognize our contributions or see our finer qualities. We end up seeking value in things like bank accounts or professional accomplishments. Pastor Mark is teaching that the most important value we can have is to recognize that God thought enough of us to send Jesus to take our place in punishment so that we could have a renewed relationship with Him. Understanding His value of us will change our lives for the better. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message, Stand Firm and Stand United. If you're going to study with us this morning, you need a Bible. And if you haven't come to church with a Bible, you just have to raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you. And we're going to turn to the book of Philippians. If you're brand new here, seriously, maybe never even open a Bible, it's a good thing. Just ask for one. Put your hand up. Philippians, New Testament, chapter 1. And we'll begin in a moment in verse 27. Verse 27. Philippians 1, verse 27. How many of you, you remember this star, Roy Rogers? I remember him, okay? What, what did he ride? And what was the name? Some of young people go, Trigger, what are you guys talking about here? Well, how much do you think Trigger is worth? This is stuffed Trigger. This is real Trigger. He's stuffed. He's there. How much is he worth? What's his value? Well, this week, a Nebraska cable TV network paid $266,000 for Roy Rogers' stuffed and mounted horse, Trigger. How many of you would pay $266,000 for a stuffed horse? I don't care whose stuffed horse it was. Not at all. What are you worth? In the old days, I remember when I was in college because I had a lot of pharmacy, they would calculate how much minerals were in your body and, you know, you were worth $72 or something like that. They did all that jazz. And you remember that kind of thing? Well, it's very different now 
for many of us, really, although we wouldn't be here, we're worth a lot more dead than we are alive. I found this website. Look at this. If you donate your body to science when you die, here's a hand and a forearm price. You can buy one for $385. So if you need a new hand, and they can reformat that and put that right back on it. If your shoulder's bad and you need a brand new shoulder, it's 500 bucks. Well, how much are you worth to God? And where is your worth found today? To people that don't know God, their worth is found in these kind of things. Your education... Where you live, maybe you live in Lansing Island, car you drive, how much money you have in the bank, what your title is after your name, and a million other things like that. You see, our worth is all about us. But when we come to Christ, our worth has really nothing to do with us. The first thing I want you to write this morning is this. If you're a Christ follower today, our worth comes from Christ dying for us. You see, Jesus died to make us worth something. Everything we are and everything we have comes from a right relationship with God. Now, you've heard the term self-esteem. That's a worldly term. And it's okay. I mean, we should have a healthy self-esteem. But really, you don't want to use the word self-esteem. Because that brings the worth back to you. You and I want to use the word God-esteem. You see, a healthy God-esteem expresses itself in its worth. And that's simply God. So, as we study today, as you raise your children... You don't want their worth being in your family or their education or the money they have or their name that they might have. And those things are, that's fine. But that's all tied to self and that's all tied to this world. You want to raise your children. I want to be a person that has God worth, God esteem. And that's really what Paul talks about today. What are you really worth? What is your worth based in? Is it based in this world only? Or this world and the world to come. That's what we're going to learn together. Now we start in Philippians chapter 1 down to verse 27. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner, here's the word, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, let's reflect back to something for a moment. Sometimes when we study the Word of God, we remove ourselves totally from the context of where we're at. So I want to remind you, today I'm going to be the Apostle Paul. I'm in prison in Rome. I'm chained to a guard 24-7. I'm writing to one of the churches that I established, the Church of Philippi. You guys are going to be the Church of Philippi 2,000 years ago. You were there, you know the Apostle Paul. Paul established the church, and he, and he has contact with the people, with you. You have contact with Paul. And so Paul's writing to you, 
about some very personal things. So take it personally this morning. Don't just stand and go like, oh, cool little story about Paul and wow, Philippi. Philippi was a city in Greece and the Roman Empire ruled it. So Paul is writing, look what he says, and you understand it more now. He says, conduct yourself. That word in the original language, we wouldn't understand it, means this, live as citizens. So the word, Paul says, conduct yourself worthy as a citizen of this earth in Philippi and as a citizen in heaven. Because understand today, we are citizens of here in the United States. We're citizens of the United States, but we're really, we're really pilgrims. We're just traveling through. So Paul says, he uses a word as we live here. We don't get the word too often. Worthy. What does worthy mean? Well, second thing you want to write, and this kind of gives us a definition of what he's after. It comes from the original wording. It means to live with integrity. In other words, worthy as citizens of heaven. Paul says, whatever happens in life, whether I live or whether I die, I want you to conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, where did I get my worth from? Well, I got my worth from Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for me. And that makes me worth something. So Paul says, since Jesus died for you, that makes you worthy, God esteem, then live as if you are worth something. You are worth something today if you're a Christ follower. God sent his son to die for you. And my worth is not tied up in accomplishments, good looks, talents, wisdom. My worth is tied up with Jesus. And so simply Paul says, I want you to live with integrity. Represent him. Be a person that's different than the world. Now, when we studied in the book of Matthew, you remember we went through the Sermon on the Mount in 5, 6, and 7. And the whole premise of that was written to believers, not to unbelievers. And here's what Jesus said through that whole thing. You're to be different than the world. Not better. The only reason you're different is because God's grace. But you are to live different. People should be able to tell that you are serving God. So live different. Now, sometimes to put kind of flesh on that word integrity and to put meaning to the word worth, we need a little more unpacking of it. So turn back one book from where you're at. It's the book of Colossians. And if you turn back to Colossians chapter 1, go right on down to uh, verse 10. What does that life of integrity and worth look like? So if you're a Christian this morning, a Christ follower, see how you're doing as we go through these clarifications in expanding the term integrity and worth. Paul says this, and we pray that in order that you may live a life, here's the word again, worthy of the Lord. Well, how do I do that? And that you may please him in every way. So Paul says, if, if you're going to be a person of integrity and, and you're going to live a life worthy of the Lord, the first thing you have to do is you have to please the Lord in every way. Well, what does that mean? It simply means that I'm to obey God. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if I'm going to be a person that's a real follower of Christ, 
then I have to obey the word of God. And then he says next, notice, bearing fruit in every good work. We're just a branch attached to the vine. We have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that, God produces fruit through us. And it shows that we're a believer. And then he goes on and he says this, number three, you need to be growing. I like the term. It didn't say grow and arrive. It says you should be growing right now in the knowledge of God. What does that mean? If you've never really studied anything about Abraham Lincoln, and you wanted to know about Abraham Lincoln and what he was all about, what would you do? Hello? You'd read about him. And you go to the bookstore, the library, and you get a book on George Washington. Is that right? No. Who would you get a book on? Abraham Lincoln. And you get a biography, and you'd begin reading about him, and you would know him. Well, how do I know God? I read the USA Today every morning. Is that right? No, I go to what? The Bible. So how am I going to increase the knowledge of God? By going there. By studying it. To understand his character. We sang in the last song, Our God is greater. Our God is healer. Where did that come from? Songwriter? No, it came from here. So I can't know God, I can't represent God, I can't be a person that's a real believer in Christ if I'm not into the Word of God. Because this is where I discover what God's like. And that's all we're saying. But then he goes on and he says, that's a growing thing that it never stops. I'm always learning about God. Now look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So as I'm living this life, I can't do it by myself. You know that without Christ, we're nothing. We really don't have any worth that's worth anything either. So God has promised that I will be strengthened because the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're empowered to live this life that is a life of integrity, a real follower of Christ. But then he says, you're going to need this power and might because something's coming. And we'll study a lot more of this at the end. Notice what he says. So that you might have great endurance and patience. So if I read that, I'm going like, okay, there's going to be trouble in my life. If there's no trouble, I don't need endurance. If there's no trouble, I don't need patience. So we know, if we're going to be different than unbelievers, that in my life, a life that Jesus Christ rules in, there's going to be difficulty and trouble coming. So I'm going to need God's help with endurance and patience. That's enough, but then he ends it with something like impossible. He says, you're going to have to have great endurance and patience and basically joyfully then give thanks to the Father. Oh, thanks God for the trial. Anybody there yet? That's very difficult. I mean, I'm to be joyful in the trial? By the way, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's full of joy, in spite of what's happening in his life. And no matter. So those are some of the things that make me look worthy. To respond to God by 
praising Him, pleasing Him, bearing fruit, being joyful, growing to be like Him. And eventually when difficult time comes, I just walk through it in His strength because He gives me endurance and He gives me patience. Now back to Philippians chapter 1 where you had your finger. What's the problem with that? Well, Paul is going to say there's a gap that's missing. And he doesn't want that gap to be wide. Notice, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, Paul says this, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. So Paul says this, I expect you to conduct yourself worthy of the gospel. In other words, I expect you to represent Jesus Christ, to live like him. Now, whether I come to see you and I get freed from this jail or I don't and I just hear back from you, I want to know how the church is doing. So I expect you to behave yourself in every situation the way you believe so that your belief matches your conduct. Now, visually, we've talked about this gap thing a number of times in the past. Here's an illustration of what Paul's saying. You remember, if you travel overseas to many places, you'll see all kinds of subways. And the new ones are better than the old ones. The old ones in London are kind of like this. This might be the station, and the track comes in like this. And so just like I'm here, if I'm not careful, if I think, if, if I, think I can get on the train and it's just really close, well, here it's a long way. So they say, mind the gap, be careful. So what is Paul saying? He's saying this to us this morning. Since you're worth something because Jesus Christ died for you, live like it. You're worth something. Live like it. Your belief. What do you believe today? Well, what you believe should be based on the Word of God. And since it's based on the Word of God, then let's go down to your conduct. In other words, live like it. Well, I know I should do that, but it's too hard. No. Narrow the gap and live like it. That's what Paul expects. He expects us to do those things I just mentioned to you in Colossians. In other words, since God paid such a high price for you and I, and we're worth something now, then live like you're worth something. Make sure that you do live different than the world. Christians are to be in the world, but they're not to be like the world. We are light and salt. We should live differently. And when you don't, we confuse the world. Because we're just like them. We're going to do a series on marriage. And we're going to discover that if we're not careful, we'll live our married lives just like the world does. Divorcing and separating and fighting and no union and no joy. And Well, no, we're supposed to be very different. And of course, we can't do that without God. So we'll learn about that. But today, Paul's just saying, no, I expect you, whether I get to see you personally or whether I'm stuck here in prison, I want to hear that your belief... And your conduct, they match really closely. Now, the next verse is the one you want to see with that light. What is the challenge? We discover it in Ephesians. Paul writes this. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, imitate God. Be like him in everything you do on Sunday morning. And then the rest of the week, have a ball. You don't have to get your Bible out. Don't think about God. Just live your life for the other six days just by yourself. Please yourself. Is that what that verse says? 
No, it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. That's our problem with our churches today. We have so many people that are Sunday or Saturday night believers. They come, they look good, they worship, raise their hands, give money, serve, do all these things. And the other six days of the week, God's far away. It's back into self. It's self-esteem. Notice, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Why? Why should I imitate God? Because you're his kids. We should be imitating, imitating God. Well, how do I know what God's like? I just told you right here. We studied this morning. One of the things Paul said, well, if, if, if you're going to be like Christ, you're going to please him. Well, how do I please him? Well, I know what the commandments are and I study him. And so that's what Paul saying. When I come to see you, I expect to see that gap close. Now, mimic God, close the gap. Now, he finishes something excellent. Look at verse 27. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. So Paul says, here's three ways to conduct yourself in a worthy manner. Here's three ways to show that you're this person of integrity. Write all three of these down. I'll give them to you this morning. Number one, Paul says, stand together in unity. You see, many churches and many Christ followers, they spend much of their time and energy fussing about all kinds of little things that really don't even matter at all. And Paul reminds you, you're the believers at Philippi, to focus on working together as a team. What does that mean? Well, it simply means we understand that when we stand together in this unity, in one spirit, that we were baptized into the body of Christ by one spirit. Let me read it to you, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, some of us are Jews... And some are Gentiles, and some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. So when you got saved, God put you in the body of Christ. It's way bigger than Calvary Chapel or our four campuses. or It's the body of Christ worldwide. God put you in it, and he gifted you. And you're going to see in a moment, we're simply servants. There's only one God. So when God puts you in there, you're to live worthy with your gifting and your abilities. Every single one of us got gifts and abilities. There's nobody in the body of Christ that doesn't have worth. And there's nobody in the body of Christ that isn't needed to function. So we flow together as a team. No prima donnas allowed. You understand, if you watch like pro football and baseball and some of these things, some of these guys are always traded to other teams. Why? Because they're like, stand up, throw me the ball, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. I'll win the game, I'll win the game. Pretty soon, those guys are always moving to a new team. Why? They don't understand it works together. If somebody doesn't block for the quarterback, the quarterback can't get the ball to the guy. So understand all that today. We are just a team. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us that many people around us don't value themselves. They seek valuation by what they do or what they possess. We learn that our true value comes from God. 
he exchanged Jesus' life for ours. It's really awesome. And there's information we should be sharing with those around us who are looking for a reason for their existence. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be continuing the teaching, Stand Firm and Stand United. He will talk about how important it is for the body of Christ to display united front against the forces of Satan. We'll learn the significance of living our lives with integrity. We'll be taught about the war we're in against those who oppose God and how to fight those battles. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.